everyone, welcome to What's Brewing CISFA. What's Brewing CISFA is a podcast produced for the California Community Colleges Student Financial Aid Administrators Association. I'm your host, Dennis Schrader. I serve as the 2021-2022 CISFA past president. With a shortage of people in the office today, I'm letting Dana stay busy in her cubicle. And as such, it's just you and me today on the show. So let's get things started. And welcome to another episode of What's Brewing Cisfa. Let's start this off with our first cup. So fill up whatever you've got. It won't be a super long show today. It's a news show. Um, and there's quite a bit of news out there in financial aid uh, since the start of the year. Got a number of items here. Let's dig right into it. Here on our first news episode of 2022. So coming from Federal Student Aid, from their FSA partner page in the library of electronic announcements. A reminder here uh, through electronic announcement number one for the year that uh, you have until January 21st to apply for designation as a Title III or Title V institution and waiver of the non-federal share requirement for your federal work study and your FSEOG programs. For people outside of financial aid, I've lost you right there. Here's the breakdown going backwards. Federal work study, federal aid program for students to work on campus, FSEOG, a small federal grant that most students can get if they're Pell Grant eligible and the school is funded enough money for it. They spread it out among their students. And normally, when you have those two programs, you have to commit some of your own institutional money to the pot. So you get money from the feds in an allocation. You got to put some money in from the school. And then you can make student grants or work-study awards from that. But if you qualify under... Title III or Title IV federal law, which is generally schools that are high uh, Hispanic-serving institutions or minority-serving institutions, you can waive that requirement so you don't have to match dollars into the pot. Now, some of this designation is automatic for many schools, but for some schools, um, you can apply for it for the designation in case you haven't done so in the past. So you have until January 21st, which is what this whole electronic announcement is about, in order to make that application. For more information, we'll put a link to this electronic announcement in the show notes. Let's see. Also on the federal front, some other updates here. Uh, this is an electronic announcement under the app, APP-22-01. So it must be the first of that kind. Also at the federal SUNAID website, that the 2022-2023 FAFSA Winter Renewal Campaign is going on. So starting January 18th, just a mere week away, Federal SUNAID will start sending emails, SMX, SMS, text, and mobile application push notifications when applicable to those who did 2021-22 FAFSAs, like for the current school year, and have not submitted yet 
for 2022-23. The whole goal of their campaign, of course, is to remind people that the FAFSA is available, has been available since October 1st, and should be completed soon for those who are going to college beyond July 1st of this year. So parents and students can complete the form, of course, online through the studentaid.gov website or through the mobile version of the My Student Aid app available from federal student aid people. So as it says here, if eligible, if, uh, eligible students and parents who have a valid email address in the system will receive their email sometime between January 18th and late into the month. There may be different messages based on certain factors, they say, um, but they have some example text that they give us in this electronic announcement. So if you want to know more, I'll have the link in our show notes. Moving on to the state front for news. An operations memo, number one for the year, that came out just yesterday from CSAC, our California Student Aid Commission friends. This was just a standard reminder that they put out. And the ops memo from the Student Aid Commission reminds high schools and colleges of the upcoming March 2nd Cal Grant filing deadline for the 2022-23 academic year. So for students, you know, applying for a Cal Grant for the coming school year, of course, they have to have done the FAFSA, the free application for federal student aid, or for our DREAMer students, the California DREAM Act application by March 2nd. You know, along with that, the commission, CSAC as we call it in short, CSAC, must receive a school-certified GPA by the same deadline. So GPA records can be uploaded, of course, in batch or individually by schools, high schools, primarily for those graduating from high schools or from, uh, from colleges. If a student's been at a college long enough, we can send a GPA on their behalf. So this operations memo, we'll put a link to it in our show notes, just a reminder to colleges and all that. It's now is the time to get the word out to your continuing students, similar to what the feds are doing, if they have not done the FAFSA yet for the coming year. And, of course, remind our high school friends, uh, high school counselors and such, to get those GPAs in if they are uh, behind on that for some reason. Now, this is news I've got coming out from an article from NASFA, our friends up there at the National Association office. But we may have talked about this before uh, because this comes out of a report from the U.S. Department of Education's Office of Inspector General that they released a report um, recently and uh, identified five areas of vulnerabilities that could impact the department's ability to carry out its goals. Uh, and in particular, in this article, they talk about things like uh, review of Ed's compliance with improper payment reporting requirements for the fiscal year, past years, um, improvement needed in certain areas of uh, improper payments and direct loans. One of the things that I note that I caught in here, and I think it was talked about in someone else's article, either in Chronicle for Higher Ed or such, was about uh, potentially... Uh, colleges, and this is where it hits us financial aid administrators, making certain that one of the things that the department is going to be concerned about is that if we're doing these, uh, what we call professional judgments, this is in cases where uh, student and parents 
they've done their FAFSA, and it's used income from the year before. And we know that, again, even like students attending colleges right now, that means that income is kind of old. And things have happened in 2020 and 2021. So what if their income went down? And such then uh, students and parents could ask the school to look at their current situation. And this is what professional judgment is. It allows us to go beyond the bounds of what the FAFSA is all about, which is collecting information from a specific year to calculate aid eligibility for a future year. And professional judgment is, in a sense, the process that allows us to uh, take into account current circumstances. But there are some requirements for us to collect documentation. And this is the area that the OIG is looking at, in particular, to make certain that Colleges are collecting the proper types of data that's needed to make these kind of professional judgments. So, you know, if we say that we're looking at income from a different year or tax period, that we're collecting the types of tax returns and information that would help us make that kind of adjustment. So it's just one of these things in this OIG report that you'll want to read. I'll put a link to the NASFA article on it. Um, that has a link to the report within it. Let's do one more thing before we take a little break here. Uh, coming from NASA's website also, I think the same reporter too. A year in review, the biggest financial aid news of 2021. So you can only imagine how exciting this is for people outside our field. <laughs> So they kind of did a nice summary here of, you know, looking back at some of the biggest news over the year of 2021. And of course, right at the top, pandemic aid. You know, we went through the first round of funding back in 2020, but by, you know, 2021, you know, we had the American Rescue Plan, which was the third pandemic relief bill that offered up a significant amount of money, $40 billion for funding for higher education with at least half of that directly going to students. There are some other things that were in there too, but the big thing there is pandemic aid is probably easily story number one. Along with that, obviously with a new presidential administration coming in, we had new leadership at the Department of Education so we had Miguel Cardona coming in as the Secretary of Education, and he's made his mark, and he continues to make so by looking and addressing, of course, things that went on the last four years and things going forward. So, you know, education covers K-12 through and post-secondary education, so got a lot on his plate. Things do move slow in Washington, and again, there's a lot to be addressed. There's other new people, too, at NASFA. Ed also installed Richard Cordray as the new chief operating officer of federal student aid, which is, you know, a sub part of the Department of Education. And then some other key people coming along. Some other areas in regulatory flexibility. Uh, it was a big news uh, because we are talking about, you know, everything from uh, loan relief on a limited basis to changes in how we verify information on a FAFSA, uh, I guess a variety of things there. 
some stuff, you know, student loans all on their own was another big topic of the year. Because when you consider people have been on pause for making payments or being required to make payments under student loans, it is, uh, you know, it was big news because that just kept getting extended. In fact, it just got extended again. Students were supposed to be making payments sometime either this month or next month. And I believe now they've been given another 90 days to get going. So check out the article. There's other areas discussed in it uh, and uh, so much more to know about what's going on in the world uh, financial aid from last year. What were the big stories? But we're going to continue on with more news after a little bit of music. And, of course, what are we back for? We're back for a refill and our second cups. And after that noise, what do we have first on the line? We have tax training here being offered by CASFA. Starting this week, running for a few weeks here, uh, I, I think I have some staff I have to send to this. I guess a little behind on things being short people at all times. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's good time for training on the 2022-2023 academic year and the tax information that's going into that. Because I've talked about this, it's kind of like a three-year cycle here. You're applying for the fall of 2022. You're doing a FAFSA form in the fall of 2021 because it comes out that October before the next fall. And you're using the tax year that was just completed before that, so the 2020 tax year. So the tax training here being offered by CASFA is to learn more about, you know, an introduction to the tax forms as they stand, the tax code. There'll be how to you verify tax filers, a separate session webinar, and then another one, a whole separate one on verifying non-filers, you know, as far as what kind of information you need to collect in those cases. So uh, something here to keep in mind, I will put the link into our show notes on how you can register for that. I think it's fairly reasonably priced too, if you're a CASFA member. Going back to a little bit of NASFA-related items here. This is something new uh, that they've put out here called NASFA's Altitude on the biggest political questions for 2022. So this was written by Justin Drager, NASFA president and CEO. You know, and this is a NASFA's Altitude it's a new Today's News series that aims to provide a high-level view on where financial aid issues meet public policy management and other things. So what he's hoping to do is offer some links, reactions, conversations, and other things from Mr. Drager and others at NASFA on these high-level types of things. So it's a, it's a nice little thing. So there's some questions that he puts out there that maybe we should be looking at, you know, will we see an increase in the, a significant increase in Pell? And just as importantly, when will we know, you know, what's next up on the federal regulation front? Um, you know, will student loans be forgiven? And so there's a number of topics here uh, that are already getting posted. So we'll see his thoughts and others on some of these high level things in our industry. Along with that, Coming from NASFA, the student aid index modeling tool of theirs is in beta version. 
So what this is, uh, after doing some testing and some modeling stuff, what it does is this tool is intended to allow institutions like mine to model how recent changes in federal methodology, which is the formula, as we call it, the formula that calculates the expected family contribution, which is kind of the number of how much a family could put towards a school year. That's why we do the FAFSA, calculates this for us. Um, and how this is going to be implemented in future years and how this will impact student need and, of course, financial aid budgets for schools. You know, the model here will also estimate the student's Pell Grant Award under the provisions of the recently passed, as in just over a year ago, FAFSA Simplification Act. That was passed back in December of 2020. Uh, that simplified the FAFSA significantly, and we're seeing pieces of this rollout. The biggest pieces will be rolling out in the next year or so and really fully implemented by the 2024-2025 school year, which means fall of 2023 when that FAFSA is out. That's when all the stuff hits the fan. So we'll see how things work on that. So if you want to learn more about the NASFA SUNAID Index Modeling Tool, I'm going to give you a link to that. Again, it's in beta version. Now, on to some other news that's a little broader as far as financial aid or higher education goes. Nice article in the Wall Street Journal. I think you may have to pay for this. I pay for online access, and at the price, it's well worth it. But I saw this. This was an exclusive news article of theirs in the education area titled, Yale, Georgetown, and other top schools illegally collude to limit student financial aid, lawsuit alleges. So there's a new federal uh, suit out there, uh, you know, that continues uh, uh, efforts to change college admissions practices. So this is a new lawsuit filed in Illinois federal court uh, just this past Sunday, I believe, by law firms representing five former students who attended some of the schools mentioned already. The university that the university is engaged in price fixing and unfairly limited aid by using a shared methodology to calculate applicants' financial need. Now, schools are allowed under federal law to collaborate on the formulas, but only if they don't consider the applicants' financial need in their admissions decisions. So this is something that you may hear about along the way about if a school, and I talk to parents a lot about this, says that they're need-blind when it comes to admissions, which means they're not weighing whether or not they can pay for school as part of the admissions. Now, that doesn't mean that a school would, you know, just let in people who could only pay. But when you come to private institutions, especially the types like Yale, Georgetown, Northwestern, other Ivy Leagues and such, or any private school at that level, they do have to, in a sense, hope that they have a balance of high-achieving students, high earners, in a sense, those who could pay full fares, we say, pay a higher percentage of the tuition, versus those high achievers who may come from more modest means. Because, again, if they had only high-achieving, very modest or low-income families, they would probably have to, in a sense, quote-unquote, discount their tuition quite a bit to get people to come to school, which would mean, you know, obviously maximizing federal and state aid, but also putting forth money from the school itself. So schools, private schools, have to find that balance point. Apparently this lawsuit uh, looks at this as a potential um, 
I don't know if you want to use the word antitrust is used in the suit, but again, looking at there is collusion potentially. And so it's an interesting article. Again, I don't work at a private school. I'm hopefully talking to community college people, but it does look like something we should be aware of because our students here at community colleges may be transferring to a variety of public or private institutions and may run into this or know people who have. So I'm going to give you a link to the story. If you have to pay for it, I really do apologize. If you can't pay for it, you know, uh, you know, just uh, email me at wbcswag@gmail.com and I will record the audio for you or something like that. I'll help you out. Uh, let's go on to some other news out there. This kind of goes along with an article or articles, multiple articles I've been reading on the Wall Street Journal about how we fit the great resignation time. And so NASA's got an article titled Financial Aid Officers Offices face turnover and staff shortages as great resignation hits home. So it goes into talk about how certain people who've worked in financial aid for many years or not so many years may have retired or are thinking about retiring soon. I know uh, the district I work for and many other districts across the state, uh, whether it was a financial thing prior to or during the pandemic, have put out, you know, golden and silver type of handshakes to move people towards retirement sooner than later. But this great resignation that's been talked about quite a bit, and I've read in uh, multiple news sources, is really about, again, how the pandemic has brought home to people not even ready to retire. Maybe not really set to quit, but it moved people along. People have quit earlier than they thought. People have just, you know, outright left to pursue other things or get out of their field and try a new field. So it's a long article. I think it's really good to know. Um, And again, it's one of these things that, you know, even just looking at the comments and the story about talking about being a little undervalued or overworked, underpaid. And, you know, the rewards of our work with students can be a lot of intrinsic rewards, but at some point intrinsic rewards don't pay for meals and cars and rent or mortgages. And it's a very interesting time that we're here in higher ed and in financial aid. I mean, again, I've been impacted by retirements over the last few years, the pandemic people have moved around certainly. And I know others who have moved in and out of the industry, but this may be a, you know, something that's, not just hitting everybody else out there in the private sector, but even us here at public schools. Definitely a worthwhile article to read. Good thing is it's at NASFA. I think you can get to it for free, hopefully. we got a couple last articles here, but I'm going to save them for our last sip area because I want to play a little bit of music for you again. And just like that, what are we back for? We are back for our last sip segment. And the reason I've saved a a few uh, 
article type things here for the end is because I really don't have a whole lot in the I dare you to, although the last item I think I'm going to qualify, pre-qualify as an I dare you to item. And this isn't the last item coming up right now. I've got like two or three things here, but one I just wanted to put out there. If you were thinking that you're a bigger Green Bay Packer fan than me, and I know one other financial aid director out here in the state of California who is probably just as big, if not a bigger Green Bay Packer, Packer fan than me. Just to let you know, just a matter of seven days ago, the University of Wisconsin in Green Bay, which is kind of like a, I'm going to say it's like a Cal State or one of the uh, um, less selective, you want to call it, UC schools out here in California. So University of Wisconsin, Green Bay, in Green Bay, Wisconsin, has an opening for their financial aid director. Now, it doesn't list the prices, or price, uh, the salary, but if you've ever thought to live in the frozen tundra, this is your opportunity. So financial aid director job, I can tell you having lived in the state, it will be cold. For parts of the year, but you get milder summers. You're not too far from Lambeau Field. And again, I would put as part of my compensation tickets to the games. So if you're thinking of moving out of the state, UWGB, it is a, a Division One school. Their uh, women's basketball team has been very competitive over the years. Um, but again, a smaller school overall. Last couple things here. So there is a report out there, uh, again, reported in NASA about there's a new report, seeks answer why students leave school and how to get them back. So this comes from University Professional Land Continuing Education Association. Uh, and the reason I put it out here and I want to give you a link to it is it made me think about a book I'm about halfway through reading. I'm not reading cover to cover because there's a lot of tables and charts, but uh, came out just recently back in October called Who Graduates from College? Who Doesn't? How to Increase College Graduation Rates Without Sacrificing College Access. This is a book put out by Mark Kantrowitz just a little while ago. Uh, so uh, don't judge a book by his cover. His covers are usually very basic, but he's written on a number of things. In fact, uh, another book of his that came out probably as we were starting. Oh, this, uh, this came out over a couple of years ago. Was How to Appeal for More Financial Aid. So it's a very good book. Again, it's not something that we think about in community colleges where students are, in a sense, quote unquote, negotiating or requesting more aid a whole lot of times. But it does clue you into things that students and parents can do to better prepare themselves for the application process. And again, for these professional judgment type of calls that a school can help them with. But Mark Antrowitz, uh, again, Expert on financial aid issues. He helped write a book with David Levy called Filing the FAFSA many years ago. 
that I've got a couple copies of. Always keep one at home because it's useful information um, and really gets into the details about the financial aid process and the FAFSA. So a variety of things on financial aid and otherwise that he has written. Oh, it's funny. As I look at the list of his books here, there's one called Fast Web College Gold. I mean, it was all about applying for scholarships and all because Fast Web is one of these online free scholarship search sites. And I just remember that book well. I can't remember if I bought the book because this was years and years ago. It came out in 20, 2006. I can't remember if I bought the book or someone sent me a copy. But I had jury duty uh, and I had to sit in the room literally all day. This was back in the time where uh, in L.A. at least you had to basically stay there the full day. And I literally read the full book in the whole day sitting there. Never getting called for a jury, knock on wood, thankfully, on that day. But a very interesting book. But, you know, this NASA article, you know, and looking at Mark's book on who graduates and who doesn't, really starts to clue us in on all those types of particulars that really start to sway whether or not a student will be successful in college and graduate. Um, and so not a bad idea to pick up the book. It's not too expensive out there at Amazon and other retailers. But really to find out, because we talk about it a lot in our field, and others talk about it a lot at colleges, but we talk about it in broad anecdotal ways. What if we knew there were numbers behind things to try to help us figure out how we can address these issues? Some things can't be addressed. Some things can. So I'm going to leave you with that, just as some information out there. And I'll give you a link to the book Maybe pick up a copy or two. I've already picked up a couple copies, handing one off to a professor friend of mine uh, later this week. But otherwise, that's all we have time for today. But don't worry, there's always our next episode. So I want to thank you for joining us today on What's Brewing CISFA. And always, if you have questions or something to say, email us at wbcisva at gmail.com. Remember, you can find this and all What's Brewing CISFA podcasts on Google Podcasts, your Apple Podcasts app, Spotify, Pandora, iHeartRadio, and the TuneIn app on your Amazon Echo by using Alexa. What's Brewing CISFA is a production of Studio 1051, a creative collaboration of me and Dana Yarbrough. And this has been episode number 152, recorded Tuesday, January 11th, 2022. Have a great day and have a great weekend or week.